The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we are going to review the FC Dallas loss with our friends over at the Dallas Soccer Show, who are also part of the Striker Texas. We'll also do a little preview of the upcoming Vancouver match, and then we're going to answer a few Twitter questions that came in today. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. I'm watching. Well, I was just telling Landon before we started hitting record that my dog, who weighs 14 pounds, ate a bone that was about the size of him today that was left over from Valentina's beef rib and uh, has given back parts of it today. So it's possible that I may have to... Uh, <laughs> Have to, there may be some pauses in this show while I deal with some things, but it'll be okay. <laughs> how's Tito doing? How's he, how's he making it through uh, Ashley being gone? Well, she's back now, so he's very happy. Um, yeah, I think he got kind of tired of me after a while, but he's very happy to have his, his favorite person back in town. All right, we have uh, a lot to fit into this show, <laughs> so I think maybe we should cut straight to the segment with the Dallas Soccer Show guys. Um, Dallas Soccer Show is essentially the Dallas podcast for the striker, kind of our counterparts in Dallas for what we do for the striker. And so we're just going to, we kind of thought it'd be fun to do the game recap with them. We planned this a few weeks ago and decided to do it after the game. And we were kind of hoping that maybe we would win it and would have a bit more fun on it, but it ended up being a great conversation uh, and uh, kind of fun to see the game from the opposition's eyes a little bit and I think it gives some insight into what went wrong for Austin and what went went right for Dallas. And so, so we'll cut to that and then be back with some more, uh, some more stuff right after the break. All right. This is Landon from moon tower soccer, and we are doing a little crossover episode with the guys from the Dallas soccer show. So Dustin, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Howdy. Yes. We're excited. All right, so uh, we were kind of hoping we've we've been playing this for a few weeks now, and we were kind of hoping that this show would go a little differently. Me and Jeremiah were hoping this show would go a little differently, <laughs> but I bet you guys are are pretty happy about the turnout. So, leading up to this to this game, what was what was kind of the narrative that you guys were looking for? What were things that you were looking forward to, or just looking for in this match? Uh, other than three points. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, one of the things that I was actually looking forward to was this would be the hoping we would actually see Austin FC roll out a first team right from the beginning because uh, this is the third time that FC Dallas had played against Austin, um, and in the first two matches, one was in preseason, um, and then the the first match in Dallas, uh, the Austin squad was heavily rotated. Um, so it's one of the things I was looking forward to was actually a, a true head to head competition with. Uh, um, with Austin. So, and, and we did, we actually got to see that. So. Yeah. That's, I'd say the same thing we were looking forward to as well, because, uh, against that first game of Dallas, you'll, we'll all remember that Austin did not roll out a first team yep. due to squad rotation. And a lot of fans were upset about that. <laughs> uh, so to see like us, the same starting 11 who demolished Portland last weekend to see those guys come out, we felt pretty good about our chances, but we were, Clearly very wrong about that. (laughs) 
Well, we, we could just we could just spend the whole podcast just talking about how we both demolished Portland at home. I mean, that'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said a lot of things at the bar before the game that uh, <laughs> I'm glad aren't recorded and I won't repeat. But yeah, I had a lot of enthusiasm going in that turned out to be unfounded. Well, you you, you kind of have to. I mean, if you're if you're going to run a, a, a podcast uh, and you're you're doing it in a season where there's not a lot of things to celebrate, you, you got to have some enthusiasm, whether or not it's uh, you know <laughs> you should have it or not. Believe me, we under, right, we yeah. understand that from a from a Dallas perspective this year. That's one thing I kind of want to ask about y'all, ask y'all about after we get through this game. But y'all want to go ahead and jump into the to the game here. Let's do you want to lead us through the game there, Jonathan or Dustin? I mean, I'll, I'll kick off the. Maybe we'll break it into parts. I mean, I think that the uh, the beginning of the match actually reminded me a little bit when FC Dallas played Houston, which was the very last match. Um, where Houston, it was in Houston, and Houston was really, really pressing early on in FC Dallas and giving them a lot of trouble building out of the back. Um, and we saw, you know, Dallas kind of try to do that same thing from from, from Austin, to Austin, in Austin, uh, which was really put a lot of pressure on the ball. And I think that uh, we saw, you know, a little bit of a miscue in, a, in an early goal um, that, you know, put, uh, put FC Dallas up 1-0. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of uh, Austin fans, uh, both watching on TV and in the stadium, were uh, uh, screaming at the at the goalkeeper in the back line to just you know just punt the ball, just punt the ball. <laughs> yeah, Stuver, he it just he took such a casual touch on that pass, which he's been. I'd say there's probably three goals now that have been because of like moments like that. And then one other, that was just a a poor pass. Like it was a longer like distribution pass that he threw out that turned into a goal. So probably four goals on Stuver's distribution, but he's been so good in so many other moments that it's extremely frustrating to see it happen like that. But yeah, it's Pepe was, was putting a lot of pressure on him and Pepe pressed really well the whole game and was, was really being a pest up there. And so, Cascante played that ball over to him. It was a pretty slow ball. And Stuver just took a super casual touch. It's like, I'm just going to take my time and play this ball. And Ricardo Pepe said, uh, I don't think so. And got a touch on it, falls to uh, falls to Ferreira, and he five-holes Stuver and just finishes really well. It's really a dream start for FC Dallas, especially, you know, coming in with the with the, you know, the atmosphere there at the Q2 and, uh, you know, really not being great on the road. Uh, the story of FC Dallas' this season has been not being able to get points on the road. They're on a little bit of a away point streak right now. Um, Four games in a row. But, yes. yeah. And so from the FC Dallas perspective, we're, we're sitting back and it, we you can't think of a better way to start, especially whenever you're just used to um, most of the rest of the season – being in the game until the end and then losing, uh, you know, in the last, the, the last throws of the game. Uh, and so, you know, kind of calmed, calmed the nerves a bit for, as a fan. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think our nerves were calmed until the 13th minute whenever Austin equalized there. And so Cascante, Julio Cascante center back scores off of a header. And for some people might be confused of why he was even there, but I think it was off of a corner kick that, got deflected and kind of recycled. And I was watching the center backs, like seeing if they were going to drop back and Beasler starts jogging back. And I look back up and Cascante is like 
like looking to stretch the line like he's a striker. I was like, oh, he's just going to stay up there, isn't he? And then Kolmanich puts in a beauty of a cross and no- notices that Cascante is not being marked very tightly and puts in a beauty. And there's a really nice header there uh, for the equalizer. And that maybe made us feel a little better, but I don't know that it lasted very long. Um, the two guys who were involved in that goal, Jean Kolmanich and Julio Cascante, ended up being taken off at the half because of kind of the next phase of the game uh, that led to Dallas going ahead 4-1. Is that what it was at halftime? <laughs> yeah. It was very messy. What, 10, 10 minutes too, man. It just came fast and furious. So I feel like I would like y'all to talk us through that part of the game because I watched it again this morning and it was just every bit as painful on TV as it was in the stands. Yeah, I have to admit, I didn't see it live. I, I miscalculated some timing with um, putting kids to bed and getting some yard work done. And by the time I sat down, it was four to one. And I was like, <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> Man, it was it was a, a very chaotic uh, six minutes, right? Where, uh, you know, there's a, you know, it, it seemed like uh, it started when uh, Shabot Shun, who I think was getting tested or, or was trying to do a lot on the left-hand side. He flipped over to the right-hand side, and it, seemed, it felt like that's when um, FC Dallas had, you know, the the three different goals between the 36th and the 40th minute. Um, and, you know, that it was you know, the, the the first one was, uh, you know, a, a Ricardo Pepe um, shot that, uh, you know, right in the left corner. Then I think Jesus uh, said, hey, I can I, I can do the, the same thing in the – you know, got got a goal in the, the 38th minute, and then uh, uh, finally it was one one more, kind of a, a through ball uh, from from Shun to Pepe. Where uh, I don't know what you guys thought, but I, I was when I was celebrating that goal early on, um, I was doing it kind of cautiously because I honestly I, I thought Pepe was offside. <laughs> looking at the, cam- I think he might have been looking honestly, at the at the camera at the camera been. angle. Now I think that it all kind of got evened up in the in the end because I think that the one of the Austin goals might have been just as offside. Yep, yeah. Um, Alex Ring's goal was definitely offside. <laughs> so so I so I guess uh, I guess the 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 ref was consistent, but yeah, there was that that very <laughs> uh, very short amount of time where uh, it felt like it, uh, Austin was just having trouble getting back organized right and fc dallas was just coming wave after wave after wave um and all of them were f- fairly similar as far as just overloading the box right um throwing lots of numbers forward yeah the the announcer kind of hit it right on the head on the, on the the fox sports broadcast we talked about how it just looked like the um the austin defense was running with like wet boots on um and like sand in their boots and fc dallas was just Hand, like they'd get the ball and then just be down their throats right away. Um, and it, it really seemed to cause a lot of confusion and um, like chaos in the back for y'all. I mean, is that what you guys kind of saw from, from your side? Yeah. It's like, I think the, the really frustrating thing about that game is that Austin has been bad at some things over the course of the year, but defending has not really been one of them. We haven't given up that many goals. I think after last night, we're about middle of the league in uh, goals conceded. And earlier on in the season, before we've given up a few of these bigger ones, it was uh, we were like top third in the league in goals conceded. We just couldn't score in any of those goals. So there's a ton of nil-nil draws, one-nil losses, things like that. But in in those two goals, uh, the first one by Pepe, 
Jean Kolmanich, who's been a pretty good left back all season, he just kind of escorts Schoen into the box and doesn't really step to him. And he, he like, okay, if you're going to keep backing up, I'm just going to keep dribbling. And Schoen is an excellent player. He's he's one of those guys that you hate to play against but love to have on your team. Just I yeah, I would I would really love to have a guy like him on Austin's <laughs> team, but he just just kept driving it at Kolmanich and Kolmanich didn't really ever step to him. And then Pepe is running uh, right up the middle and Cascante is tracking with him. Cascante looks, looks over his shoulder, sees him there and then looks back. Pepe just stops at the top of the box and Cascante just keeps going and Shun sees it and is like, Oh, one of the best finishers in the league is just standing at the top of the box. I think I'll give him the ball. And he gives it to him and he scores because of course he did. <laughs> like yep. if you give a guy that good, that much space, he's going to bury you. And that's what happened. I think people might actually start figuring that out with Shun because he's, he's now developed a little bit of a habit. It's a positive habit where he'll make those runs and, and he'll wait for not maybe not always the first runner, but the second runner kind of to, to make it into the box and catch him right kind of at the top. Uh, I think that's paid off for FC Dallas in this match, um, and then also in a couple other ones uh, recently. So that's uh, yeah, maybe some, maybe something that other teams will have to start keeping a little bit of an eye on. Against against Julio Cascante last night, you only need one runner, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was just really like the physical matchup. There is was Austin's got kind of some old kind of slow center backs who can't afford to be out of position, and Ferreira and Pepe took such advantage of that. I mean, these guys are dynamic attacking talents. I wish we had a little bit more of that uh, down in this part of the state. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, because, you know, it took a little while for FC Dallas. To, we had the same, um, you know, you said the kind of the MO of Austin has been good in defense and then hard to, hard to get goals. And, you know, FC Dallas is kind of in the same boat uh, up until – kind of recently where where Pepe and Ferreira have really started to get their swagger. And I think in this match particularly they they had swagger on the ball and off the ball and they they didn't not only did you know they create the chances but they caused the problems that got the ball back in order to create the chances and they were just making their presence felt as a duo uh, across the pitch and then, and then, you know, add Shun to the mix and it's, uh, it's just an overload. Yeah. Ferreira was, um, in the buildup was kind of man marking Danny Pereira at the, who's playing at the six for us. And Pereira didn't get on. The only way Pereira ever got on the ball is if we broke that first line and then it kind of swung back around, but as playing through that press. He almost never got on the ball because Dallas was pressing so well and he wasn't moving well enough to, to do anything about it. But yeah, a lot of credit to, to uh, Ferreira and Pepe on on that press. So so going in. Well, so we. Sorry, I'll just say going 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 into halftime. Were you guys surprised to see changes made at halftime? Mm, no, not really. Um, I was. I didn't quite see how bad those the defensive efforts were, uh, and so I didn't really know who he's going to pull off. So I wasn't surprised to see changes made, but I didn't know exactly who it was going to be. But going back and watching the replay and watching those goals again, it's, yeah, very obvious that those two guys were big parts of of um, the, the second two goals for sure. So mm-hmm. the one that we just mentioned and then the one that um, 
that which one was it? Uh, Ferreira's first goal, the one where Ferreira kind of chips it over to Obreon, and there's kind of a scuffle, and Obreon back heels it to Shone. Yep. Kolmanich looked like he was like jogging in place in the box, no urgency whatsoever to close down Shone. If he'd have closed down Shone, Beasler then doesn't have to block the shot. And when Beezer blocks the shot, it falls to, to Ferreira. And Julio Cascante looks like a freaking grandpa trying to close him down. And if... if Well, it was a Sunday. <laughs> He's going to a Sunday job. If Kolmanich just puts in a little bit of effort there, it's kind of a domino effect of of it falling to Ferreira there. And it didn't have to happen that way. And again, if you let it let a guy like Ferreira have that easy of a shot. He's going to bury it. He's like, those guys aren't going to miss from those spots. And so, yeah, I, I was not after the re the rewatch. I was definitely not surprised that those guys came off. So yeah, at halftime, Cascante, Kolmanich and Gallagher come off and Johan Romagna, Hector Jimenez and Pochettino come on. Pochettino is playing on the wing, which we had maybe seen him do a little bit, but he had never like been lined up at the wing as a starter or even like subbed in for a winger. He's usually been playing in the more centrally, but he looked pretty good there. And Romagna and Jimenez had a little bit more urgency in defense, but we're not perfect by any means because the next goal after the half was completely Johan Romagna's fault. And it, it, it was, was it a feeling of here we go again? I mean, it was. Yeah. Just of here we go again in the first half. Yeah. yeah. I was. I was after at halftime when we fought, like we we kind of scratched back enough that saying like okay we could maybe get a little bit closer and then whenever that happened I was like oh god it's going to be eight <laughs> one by the end of the game. Jonathan, hot air Obreon, he he loves to score when the team's oh up. he does yes he's the the king of uh, of junk goals. I think that might be just kind of like a, a factor of his speed because he's still got legs when the other teams are chasing the game and they're they're he can kind of, you know, in that game state, they're over committing to, to the offense and then he can burn them on the, on the counter. He just has to stay on his feet and actually score. And he did this time. Uh, yeah. And that, that I was gonna say that goal for me was the one where I, like Landon said, I was worried. I was like, how bad is an expansion he ever gotten beaten? <laughs> like, Seven, eight. What are we? What are we looking at here? Because you know, this, what that's twenty minutes of game time where Dallas is just running up and down unchallenged um, and scoring at will. So it it looked pretty dire at that point. Oh, in yeah, time. and I think there was even a, a time when they were up uh, four to one when Dallas was, where I think both uh, Pepe and Jesus were being you know a little stingy trying to get that hat trick. Where I think that if they'd actually pat, laid it off to the other one. Uh, they could have gotten even a, a, another goal. I think there were some, some some missed opportunities in that first half, even. Um, but you know, yeah. even on the last kick of the first half, yes, yes, yeah. I was praying for some Concacaf style time wasting. I was like, guys, <laughs> you're up by four, just, just lay, lay down. on the field. You know, have some cramps. <laughs> just like take it easy. You know, I've got a fragile ego, and you're kind of killing me here. Well, we wanted that until we scored the next goal, and then we were mad at them for then doing it because it, they did do a little bit uh, of that later in the game. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> FC Dallas never does time wasting. Come on, never, never ever. So, 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 so you're moving so, six minutes ahead. Sorry, Dustin. Uh, so you're moving six minutes ahead, and uh, uh, now uh, you know Fagundo gets on the board. So what do you, you know? I guess do you want to walk us through a little bit how uh, you know 
Austin started crawling back into the match? Yeah, I mean it it I think it really did like the the supporters Austin supporter section is like we're used to not being in games and so they go just nonstop no matter what. But that felt like kind of a mood shift in the stadium and then also just the way the team was playing. And so um yeah, Drusy finds Fagundes making a run kind of against the grain into the box. He puts a through ball in and Fagundes does this really nice little dink finish over uh, Felipe, the keeper and the stadium went crazy. And then it it seemed like there was some urgency in the team at that point. They're like, okay, I don't know if we can actually win this game, but we might be able to, to get a point out of it. Like maybe it could happen. And it seemed like the fans believed that and that the team believed that. And then the second goal uh, the, the third goal comes in the 68th minute with a uh, cross in from uh, Jimenez to ring in the box who f- uh, f- finishes a pretty nice header. That's the one that we were saying was probably offside. Uh, it, not ring, but Jimenez, whenever Drew plays the ball to him, I think he was a half step <laughs> offside there, but uh, didn't get looked at even. So uh, that one ended up standing. But after that happened, it kind of felt like maybe like, the the miracle still felt like a draw like a draw still felt like like the best we could absolutely hope for and i think after that it kind of austin kind of dipped off again and uh our friend kevin morris who's um we end up walking back to our cars after games every time and he was fuming that that wolf did not put on musa jite uh, around the 70th minute. I don't remember. Jeremiah, do you remember when he actually ended up coming on? It was like 82. It was really late. Yeah. 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 So he was fuming that he didn't bring him on like around the 70th minute because they did, they were looking good, but then they started to kind of like level back out. And if you bring off an exhausted Cecilio at that point and put on a real striker, which Austin has not had the entire season, that maybe you, it gives you that, that shot in the arm to kind of, to fight back and maybe get another goal, but they, they just kind of like leveled off again. And then after a certain point, after GT came on, he, I mean, it was good to see him on the field. I don't think he was on long enough to really find the game, but, um, it was, it was really cool just to see a striker on the field and watch a guy move like a striker because I kind of forgot what it looked like because we've not seen, even when we had a striker and Danny Houston on the field, he did not move like a striker. And so to see a guy like that, you really do wonder like what could have happened if they'd have brought him in a little earlier and given him time to find the game and then actually push that back line a little bit more. It definitely would have been interesting because like right after, right after ring scored, Lucci Gonzalez brought on a, a fifth, a fifth defender and I think there was a little bit of a tactical shift to actually play more defensive on FC Dallas's part. Um, with uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they went to a five at the back there for a while to, to close the game out. Um, yeah, it was right after right after that and, uh, the, the ring goal that they brought Che in for Obreon. So they put in a, a center back right yeah, back then, for uh, for a winger. Yeah, so so FC Dallas really tried to put the clamp on it and really slow the game on after that, and it was pretty effective. I thought, yeah, definitely definitely effective. I mean, did y'all, I was going to say, so like I was in the supporter section for this one and I've, I've felt like a glimmer of hope. Did y'all feel a threat at that point? Or do y'all just like, you on the Dallas side, are you just like, okay, we, we're, we've still got this. It's gotten a little bit messy. We're going to see this out. Like, did you ever feel like there was any 
potential that there was going to be a draw there or not at all? I mean, yeah, when the third goal goes in, you're thinking, oh, crap. Uh, you know, FC Dallas is this season when they've had the lead, it's there's been mistakes in them and there's been some nervy moments. Um, and it's, you know, it, you, it, this season has taught us to never feel comfortable. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, I, I mean, you, you, you definitely want something to change because the way it was going, it, I, I you never know with the momentum and with that with that stadium and the the atmosphere there, what the momentum is going to do to the teams. And at frankly, at that point, you're seventy in, seventy minutes in, and you've been pressing for seventy minutes, and you've been running and running and running and running. Like, what is your fitness level like at that point, too? And so, okay, no, I just I, I was just saying that yeah, you can start to see some of the uh, the fatigue um, from FC Dallas. I, I agree, Dustin, as they were, uh, you know. Not only were you seeing the momentum pick up on the Austin side, right? Where, and you saw those two goals in less than ten minutes. Um, you know, to, to answer Landon's question too, right? It was it did get a little bit, little bit scary, especially after you know, uh, you know that quick turnaround and get to five three that quickly, right? Um, you could start to see the momentum shift. But man, that's uh, four goals is a you, you, the, the Austin had kind of dug themselves a pretty deep hole at that point. So the other thing that was kind of made it where you're as an FC Dallas fan, you're kind of questioning things is that back line where, where there's injuries and it's like to far. I hadn't played with hedges very much. And then they bring on Martinez who also hadn't played with uh Tafari very much. And so you never know. You saw it in a couple of those goals where they're just the back line for FC Dallas didn't mark, just didn't mark a guy who was on the end of a cross. And so, like, that kind of communication and familiarity was a big question throughout the game for FC Dallas. So, Austin and Dallas will play one more time. I believe it's October 30th. And so, and it's in Dallas again. So, if Austin has any chance of getting a point against, any points against Dallas, it's going to have to be then. Um, One thing I wanted to ask, (laughs) you guys have been... Fans of FC Dallas for a long time. FC Dallas has been in the league for a long time. So you've seen lots of ups and downs. Do you guys have any advice for fans of a team who's playing at the bottom of the table? So I haven't been a fan long enough for FC Dallas to have been at the bottom. This The beginning of the season was the worst for me. And I know that there were there was a... Um, a fan account that was doing a, a you know a worst season of the league tracker. Uh, so he was comparing this season's start to the start of the season where FC Dallas ended with only 23 points in the entire season. Um, and you know you just kind of have to have fun with it. You got to remember why why you're there, why you show up, um, and have patience. And it's hard because you like you see, you will just you have invested so much of yourself in it. Like we sit here and we do this podcast, um, and we every week, and we're we're doing this for a couple hours a week plus the games, um, and so we've got a lot of vested just doing the podcast in 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 addition to being fans, right? Um, and so it's really hard to kind of sit and watch it not work out, but you got to find the the fun, and you remember why you're you're standing next to the person next to you, um, and. Celebrate the, the Jonathan I think said it earlier in the in the segment. Uh, you got to celebrate the wins as they come, 
and celebrate the small wins too. Anything to add to that, Jonathan? <laughs> oh, very eloquent, Dustin. I mean, I just you know, <laughs> almost brought tears to my eyes, you know? <laughs> well, I, I guess one other good thing is that, uh, man, it, it feels like a good portion of the, the West this year is, I think in our podcast last last week, I called it, you know, there's four good teams and a whole bunch of mediocrity. Um, and so the good thing is, even as bad as things are, it's, you still have that glimmer of hope that, you know, you put uh, three or four good games together and you could be sniffing playoffs. So, um, you know, Austin, obviously, you know, first first year, right? There, there's a lot of work to do. Very few, very few teams come into the league first year and really make a huge mark. So, um, yeah. As a fan, you just gotta gotta hope that there's better days, right? And that you that the the you've got an owner who's gonna invest in the club, and that you've got a fan base that will stick around and uh, yeah, have some fun with it. Now, uh, it, it is MLS, and so anything That's could right. happen. You you never know. Yeah, we are we are running out of games for this season, but. <laughs> But yeah, there's still lots of lots of reasons to keep showing up to games with uh, with the other folks out there. Um, one last question I wanted to ask about was, I think it's very clear that the fans on both sides of this this encounter already consider this a rivalry. Like they like Dallas fans want. Well, okay, I see you. I see you looking in your head, but you can't tell me you can't tell me that those the hundred fans or so that were there didn't want to come in and beat us in our house more than a lot of other teams in this league. Yeah, no, uh, I'll, I'll concede that. I just, so I feel like they're going to go to any other team in the league. I would say there's maybe Houston that FC Dallas fans would want to beat more than Austin at this point. I think, uh, in their own house. I don't know. I, I think Kansas, Kansas city, Kansas man. City's that's, up yeah, that's, there. I, I, just, yeah. just because of some of the recent history with them, it feels like SKC is kind of the the biggest one, and, and part of that is because uh, Houston just hasn't been that good lately, and uh, SKC is always at the top of the conference. So I think that one's become a little bit more of a um, a, a hated nemesis for for FC Dallas. But eh, obviously, it's, it's a lot harder to to travel that size of a group up to uh, to Kansas City from Dallas than it is down to Austin. Yeah, I think I think you're right though, Jonathan. That it's there's going to be some rivalry there just because we can travel yep. there easily, and you know we don't. There's not a whole lot of SC Dallas fans. Well, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I thought you just stopped. You just stopped there. There's not a whole lot of FC <laughs> Dallas fans, uh, and there's even less that are you know willing to travel. Um, and so you know, being able to travel to Houston and Austin as as close stops is is going to is going to make it worth or make it uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It would make it mean a little bit more, you know, those for those matches for sure. Yeah. So I think that's fair enough saying like some of these older teams that have been in the league longer, but I think there's also a fair amount of FC Dallas fans that like to pretend it's not a rivalry to piss off Austin fans. Is that true? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll do anything I mean, to... I'm sure there's a ton of, ton of exactly. it. Exactly. You do, do, do everything you can. Yeah, twi- Twitter's our reference. That's right. yeah. Anyway, where, where I was going with the beginning of that question anyway is that uh, Josh Wolf was asked about the the rivalry and if he thought it was a rivalry leading up to it, leading up to the, the game. And he kind of said like, you know, like I'm sure the like to the fans it is, but to players and coaches, like events lead to rivalries 
Right. And like things need to happen on the field for the, like the players and the coaches to actually really start to care about it. Do you think like the game got a little chippy at times and there were some, some little scuffles going on and some yellow cards and some, some pushing at times. Do you think there was like a bit of a spark that happened last night to where the play, like players and coaches might start to, to feel a little bit of that rivalry? Um, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I mean, it was, I mean, it was definitely a fun match to watch and yeah, it did seem like the, I mean, the players were playing hard. There was a little bit of trash talking going on on the field. So maybe, maybe it's just the start of something, uh, something good and something fun. Um, that'll grow over the next few years. Yeah. I, I just remember the, the gif of, of, uh, ring trying to run the ball out to the center and, and. <laughs> Cirillo um, knocking out Cirillo, of his hands. Cirillo yeah. Knocking it There's out that hands. moment. And then like, Cascante, like, I think Shun broke away and Cascante just grabbed him by the shoulders and threw him on the yes. ground and didn't get a card yeah. for it. And then like five seconds later, Shun Shun got a card for doing the exact same thing. I saw that and I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those games, right? Where. <laughs> well, Shun brought his, his, uh, swim move game. He, he got that swim move down where like he was pestering Cascante, uh, Kolmanich uh, was the one uh, on the on his Kis- side. Kiskante. No. Kiskante uh, K- is the big center back, but then Kolmanich was the okay. the left back that yes, he was up against a lot. And he would he was he would come up and do that swim move to him, and it was really getting under his skin. So yeah, maybe there's maybe maybe that was a spark. Um, I, I would say like if there's I, like two or three more games like that one, that it, you could start mm-hmm. seeing the players like kind of like looking forward to that one or like kind of marking that one down on the calendar because I, I think it are, yeah. it is like little moments like yeah. that to start that kind of start to feel it like regardless of what fans think. Cause I think like these players don't, none of them are from Texas. They don't really understand like that Dallas is just another city to them. Right. And so I don't know. I, I think there could, it could be kind of something to make it mean a bit more to, to the guys who, who don't, know what the dynamics are between texas cities yeah i definitely hope so because i think it'd be nice to have another place where as a fan you can go visit and and enjoy that enjoy that atmosphere i was kind of disappointed when the schedule came out and it was a sunday night game yeah and i was like man if it was saturday and i would i would have been there for sure um but uh yeah hey, houston brought like 200 on a wednesday so no excuses dallas uh I'm it's pretty sure shorter, they only brought right? 200 to their home game on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that too on a Saturday, right? Yep. All right. Well, I think we, that's a good spot to wrap it up. Um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, mutual exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's perfect. All right. Well, Jonathan, Dustin, Dallas Soccer Show. It was so nice chatting with you. And uh, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to do it again sometime in the future. Landon, Jeremiah, the moon tower soccer thanks uh thanks for having us and 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 welcome to the league thanks y'all thanks guys moon tower soccer is brought to you by our friends at fvf law the official injury lawyers of austin fc fvf is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education uh, and I also saw on their Instagram page that they had a very special uh, field tour before the game yesterday. So Ooh, I missed that. So good for them. And, you know, like in the bounds of like fan superstition, I don't know if that means they can never go on the field again or they should go <laughs> on the field more. Like, I don't know how that relates to outcomes, 
maybe somebody from FEF will tell us, but you know, it's just, you got to do what you can in these times when we're sitting 12th on the table. I think it's because I didn't wear my bootleg Bugs Bunny Austin FC shirt. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. So it's not, so it's not FES fault. Yeah. F- Work with them. They're great. Yeah. They're yep. off the hook. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. Jeremiah, let's talk about hot sauce. Let's do it. Teardrop Pepper Company has finally created the perfect recipe right here in Austin, Texas. And I did see them at a farmer's market in, I think, in Lake Line last weekend. So oh, yeah. you can order it online, but you can order it in person, too. Their all-natural, award-winning hot sauce has a delicious blend of flavor and heat, enhancing your favorite foods and leaving you wanting more. Whether you like the zesty kick of golden habanero or garlicky smoothness of supreme serrano, it's the best way to spice up your Austin FC pre-match meals. Teardrop Pepper Company has two unique flavors available, and you can order them from their website, teardroppepperco.com, or from their social media pages. You can use offer code GOLD to save 10% off your order, put it on everything, and we're going to probably get into the like what it can go on, and whether it's a taco or a breakfast taco later, but we'll save that. <laughs> for the Twitter discussion. So put it on everything. They'll make more. All right. We want to thank Dustin and Jonathan from the Dallas soccer show. One more time for joining us. Uh, I hope you guys got maybe a little bit, a little something different out of that and maybe got a break from listening to me and Jeremiah talk for a while, but uh, we'll hopefully do something like that again in the future. Jeremiah, let's jump into some of the uh, kind of post game topics and, and narratives that we're pulling off of. Uh, social media and then questions we got off of Twitter as well. Yeah, we'll do that. And so this is going to be a little bit of a mix of kind of just what we've read, you know, online along with um, specific questions that we got on Twitter. So, you know, what we have seen is continued criticism of the playing style and that being playing out of the back and what it can lead to. And a lot of that tied to, I believe, the very first goal specifically. And so I think this question is like, is it the system or is it the, players executing the system so how do you feel about sort of that balance i think the answer is yes <laughs> i knew uh, you were gonna say that yeah <laughs> i think it's uh, we talked about this with the dallas soccer show guys a little bit but playing out of the back is not necessary it doesn't have to be as dangerous as austin makes it sometimes in that moment where cascante plays kind of a, a slow ball to Stuver and you see Ricardo Pepe with his very long legs sprinting at you. You don't take a casual touch there. You just boot it. Like it's fine to get like concede that every once in a while. And I think maybe it's a case of them being drilled so hard on, on that. Like you kind of have to swing like with this new team, you have to drill them very hard to get it to where it's second nature. But then at some point you need to like also drill into them that it's fine just to rip it every once in a while and just be like, okay, giving up, we'll try again next time and just boot it long and uh, yeah, live, live to fight another day essentially. And so I think there'll be a lot of people who criticize the system. And I think that's fair enough. I think it's an, an opinion thing. Some people don't believe in that and don't trust it. I think it's kind of fun and exciting to watch. And so, I don't mind the system, but the execution I think is the big issue. And I think that was the bigger issue with everything that went wrong in this game. Yeah. Um, we've talked about who scored.com before, right? And it's just like a computer generated <laughs> um, summary of the game. And 
at least we had some strength this time, but I noticed that the one main weakness for Austin was committed a high number of individual errors. And I feel like, again, the computer figured out sort of the biggest yeah. problem with the way we played uh, on Saturday night. Their algorithm knows us so well. <laughs> it's, it's figured us out. Um, one other thing I saw, and Chris, Chris Bills, I'm going to talk about a specific article that Chris Bills wrote um, about Alex Ring, his best spot for the team, and sort of how, uh, how he played on Saturday and what the effect was. And Chris's opinion is effectively like Alex Ring is the best player we have at three different positions. That being the number eight, the number six, and possibly our best center back. And so with that in mind, you know, that means you, you have to pick the lesser of three evils at that point when you think about where you're going to play Alex Ring. So we played him at the eight against Portland. It worked really well. We played him at the eight again against Dallas, which put Danny Pereira at the six, and that did not work out well at all. Um, well, so- it did in, in some regard. Not defensively. Well, offense, but... okay, that's fair. It did not work out. <laughs> in the aggregate, it did not work out that well that well for us, you know, because Pereira didn't have a great game. But I mean, how do you feel about that? And what do you where do you see the long term I guess long term being the rest of this season? Where do we best position Alex Ring? Or does it is there no single answer and it matters like game by game? I think Chris Chris nailed it. Like it's we need two Alex Rings, and I think it's just a matter of quality on the field. Um I've, I think I saw some people reference this on Twitter. And actually, I think this leads into this next little question on Twitter from uh, Barton Marks. Is that who it was, Jeremiah? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they're asking about, um, said we were using a single pivot with um, essentially playing playing Pereira alone at the six. And it's asking if we should maybe use a double pivot or if maybe we should ring, move ring back to the six and put Pochettino at the eight. I think that last suggestion might be the answer that Wolf tries next because Pochettino came on, had a pretty good game. And then a few games before that, he had some pretty solid games. And so maybe the answer is to move ring back to the six, even though he's looked really good at the eight that maybe against certain opponents, you can't really afford to not have his defense there. Uh, at the six and play Pochettino and Driussi in the midfield together. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I could see maybe against a team that's not going to press us so intensely and is not so deadly on the counter that maybe we would play prayer at the six again, but Alex ring over the, the course of the season has bailed us out big time playing at the six with and like made up for the speed of our center backs or the other midfielders would turn it over and ring would go and take the ball right back off a guy. And so, yeah, as, as much spark as he provides in the attack, if we're giving up five goals, it doesn't really matter. And so maybe it, it's not worth it. And, and you do just have to keep him at the six, unfortunately. Yeah. I think you hit on the really big, the big thing that came out of this game was just how much, when he's on, how much cover he can give to the center backs. And it was, you know, so in the second half, he was, uh, we were, Austin was playing toward the south end. And you could just see, like, the intensity in Alex Ring's face, like, even late. And, you know, how much he hustles and how much he does, like, all the things that you don't necessarily see on TV in terms of the well-placed elbow or foot or whatever. (laughs) 
you know, and it was really, it was really impressive. Like he never gave up on that game and he serves as a real example for everybody else. But I think if you look at it overall, there's, there's other ways to get the most out of the team as a whole. So I kind of have to agree with that. Um, our next question is Mike Ellison. This is probably my favorite question of the day, which is when do we get to talk about Musa Jite and how much bigger he is than I expected? He's a tank and fast. So was that, was that your impression of his, what, 14 minutes I think he had? But with the, like, he came on at 82 and it had extra time. What you think about what you saw out of Musa Jite? Yeah, going back to just the size, I was like, when we first signed him, we were, I think we were going the other way. He was, they said he was like 5'11, 165 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And a, a picture came out of uh, like him and his, like some of his representatives from his agency were with him. And one of the guys was like three heads taller than him. And we're like, oh, there's no way this guy's 5'11. He's like 5'7. But apparently that guy standing next to him was just a giant because I now I'm thinking like 5'11 is too short. He looks much taller than that on the field. But I think a lot of it is just like how like barrel chested he is. Cause I think he's probably about the same height as Cecilio. And I think Cecilia is about six feet tall. So maybe he is around that height, but just like how big is like, he's just like a stout guy. And so I think it, it makes him look a little bit bigger. Um, but yeah, we talked about this with the Dallas soccer show guys, but I'll say it again, just the way a, a striker, like an out and out striker positions himself on that back line and like, like gets like gets in a stance to to make a run behind or it was just really bizarre to watch because watching Danny Houston whenever we did have a real nine Danny Houston would just kind of like jog around along that back line and to see a guy just like with that kind of intensity uh I, it made me pretty excited and he he had a few bright little moments on the ball as well kind of running out was able to combine with Drewsy and whoever else was out there so um, it wasn't much and I don't think he had time to really get into the game and get a feel for it, but what little we saw, I think it was encouraging. That's the same, that's the same impression I had. Like, it's hard to tell what kind of like overall sort of soccer intelligence he has or whatever, but as far as like the physical tools and the movement to like do the thing he needs to do as a striker, I think even in that little bit of time, we saw everything that we, that we would need to see out of him. And that leads into Chris Haig's next question, which touches a little bit on something we discussed in the game. Like, do you think we should have had him in earlier? Like when we got to five, three or shortly after that, was that time to see Musa Jite or um, are you okay with how long uh, Josh waited to put him in the match? No. Yeah. I think he should have come on earlier. Um, We started to look a little bit flat at one point. And then the Dallas soccer show guys pointed out that they, they did go to five at the back at one point. And I think to, you have to counter that in some way. And, a super tired Cecilia wasn't cutting it at that point. And so I think he could have added a little bit of a spark earlier than what he did. Um, the next one is from Rod Mercado. Huh? It's a tough one. What was up with the defensive implosion last night? Seems like a lack of discipline we haven't seen all season. I mean, I can't do anything but agree with that. Do you have a, a, a an explanation for what led to the led to that other than, Man, Dallas was, I have not seen anybody press that high and that intensely that seemed to have us figured out that early on in, in a match before, or at least not in person. I mean, it just seemed like they were all over the back line from the opening whistle. 
Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. They did. They were really effective in their press, um, but the defensive mistakes were just it was a lack of effort, a lack of focus from guys who we usually don't see that from. Right. Like Julio has not really he's had he's made a few mistakes, but I wouldn't say he's had any just out and out bad games overall. And same from Jean. Like he's he's a young guy. He makes mistakes every once in a while, but just a few moments that were just very, very bad. And so I'm hoping that getting pulled at halftime lights a fire under them because they're both good players that we need if we're going to do anything, anything coming close to, to good this season, we're going to need those two guys to be a big part of it. And so I, I, I kind of hope that, that it's a motivation for them being pulled off at the half. Yeah, hopefully. And, you know, um, Josh has been criticized for making subs too late before a lot, right? And I feel like he did definitely respond to that by pulling those guys off at halftime and not, you know, trying to... Well, I mean, the score the scoreline sort of forced him into that, but, you know, not trying to go as long as he could to stick to what he originally did. Um, but know, we're also still criticizing him for making a sub too late. I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, wait, we just talked about the GTA thing, so... It's fine. If, if I, I think I think both things can be true. <laughs> they, yeah, they can, yeah they can't be. That's right. Um, so Brian Parker, who sort of started the the round of questions here, asked about the speed of our. He said it's overall, but I we followed up a little bit and took that generally to mean I believe to be like the back line, um, and whether it's like legitimately a problem or, um, or not. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few people kind of chiming in and answering different parts of it. And like speed in general, especially the way that we play is not necessarily a problem because if you're, you're maintaining the ball and like playing that possession game and then counter pressing effectively when you do turn it over, then you don't necessarily have to be super fast and I think it's like, it's a combination of mistakes and speed. So like speed can make up for mistakes. Right. And a, an example I gave on Twitter in response to this question is Deandre Edlin. Deandre Edlin is pretty mediocre at a lot of things he does on a soccer pitch, but because he's so freaking fast that he makes up for a lot of that. And especially defensive mistakes early on in his, in his career, he was, very rarely in the right position. He's gotten a lot better at that, but earlier on, it was very much this way. Often not in the right position, would get caught out, would get beat, but he's so fast. He could just sprint back and and catch a guy. And we don't have that. And so the combination of us making those mistakes and being slow, like it's, it's a very terrible combination, especially when we're pushing up so high. If we're going to play this possession style and push up super high, a, we have to keep the ball. If we're turning over the ball and not effectively pressing, then, uh, then yeah, the speed is an issue. But then I think the pressing is another big part of it that um, some teams in some games, our presses looked really effective. Last night, it did it in stretches, but after a while, they had us figured out and they were just passing right through our press. And that's kind of a, an organization thing. It's... Um, kind of like a soccer intelligence thing. And I've heard 
I'm not going to pretend to know enough about pressing to have seen this myself, but I've seen several people whose soccer IQ I really respect say that they, they don't think Cecilio is a very good presser and that it's kind of like he, he works really hard and tries really hard, but as far as like being in the right spot and knowing when to go and knowing when not to go, that he makes not great decisions. And so I think it's, it's a combination of all of those things, but in, I think it comes down to if you don't make so many mistakes, being slow is not as big of a deal, but we are making a lot of mistakes. And, and then we can't recover. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the one, the one guy who I feel like who I feel like does it and can a little bit, and maybe this is why he's a decent defensive option. I feel like Nick Lima, which I mean, he's also made a mistake. He can't run, run past, but he seems like the one guy like at the, on the defense who can afford to do that. I think he's overall pretty defensively sound. And I think he does a better job of kind of like finding that balance. Wolf was talking about this in a press conference a week or two ago about finding the bat, like, especially with the fullbacks, that balance of like, when do you get super high and when do you stay back a little bit? And that's kind of the art of, of playing that overlapping fullback position. And I think Lima rides that line pretty well. Like you don't often see him get pushed up super high in a moment that it's really dangerous for him. I think it happened against Dallas, but we were down three, one at that point. And we're probably told to push, push a little higher or just doing it to try to chase the game. But uh, yeah, I, and I, I think, I saw somebody say that Lima was slow on Twitter, and I don't think he's slow. <laughs> he's no, he was like a so, one of the high school could have could have been a college football running back, right? I mean, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's definitely athlete, got wheels. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Overall, I think Lima's Lima's pretty solid defensively. Yeah, so if we're gonna get it's his uh, his crosses and <laughs> oh right, right, yeah, that right, frustrate me a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's every time he moves into the front half of the field. So we've got I've got like one broad issue that hit across all social media platforms uh, that I want to talk about. But before we get into that one, I want to get into, I want to get into Chris Wellhausen's question, which is if you could only have breakfast tacos for breakfast or never have breakfast tacos again for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Um, this is a pretty easy one for me because I already almost only have breakfast tacos for breakfast. <laughs> we keep like, stacks of H-E-B tortillas in the fridge and I'll make do like some mixed greens in the skillet and then crack some eggs on top of those and then put hot sauce on it and that's breakfast almost every day at our house yeah so easy answer for me uh, and I have to agree seven of my last eight meals have been tacos so I mean it's not even <laughs> it's not even breakfast at this point and a lot of a lot of them have been brisket tacos which is how my dog got the uh bone that was causing the issues <laughs> It's probably not good for my overall health, but man, they taste good. So I definitely breakfast tacos, every breakfast is the way to go. Um, which leads me to like the big, you know, what should fans do? I mean, we saw a lot of this, you know, we saw a lot of criticism of the supporter section for like singing when we were down. Um, we saw people saying that like we should boo the team so they know that we expect more. You know, we saw a lot of defense on the other side. Like, what's your position on this overall? How do you support and and criticize? Because, I mean, I don't think anybody's saying that you should, like, never be critical at all. But, like, what does that look like for you as a fan? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a useful situation 
where booing the players is going to help anything. I think it's a situation where like they've clearly just given up and aren't trying anymore that that might be a situation where I, if they're booing the players are like, all right, fair enough. But that's, we're far from that point. Like there might've been a couple of moments on a certain play where individual players weren't giving their best effort, but as far as just the whole team giving up and not trying at all, that's not what's happening here. And so um, I don't know. I, I I'll be honest and say that it is a little bit like, it's a little bit strange to like for a goal to be scored against us and the sound in the stadium, like not really change because the, the band is playing all the way through. But I think that's part of the trade-offs because the band is playing all the way through. And so like, I'm not going to complain about that because it's so, it creates such an amazing atmosphere during the rest of the game that I think it's a trade-off and like logistically I'm like, I played with the Morga in like the early days and like, like, I don't know, it would be difficult to like stop and start and all that. And so I don't know. It, I, I think it is a little bit strange. if like, we just get scored on and like, I kind of feel like pouting a little bit and the sound didn't change at all, but I think it's badass that like how loud it is in that stadium and how good the atmosphere is in that stadium all the time. And so I'm absolutely not going to complain and I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do. Cause they're the ones who are creating all that. So keep doing you guys. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I don't, it's brief and I don't know that everybody gets it, but you know, I mean the band never stops playing, but I can say like when those goals happened as somebody, oh yeah, as somebody in the supporter section, like we all stopped and we all reacted in whatever way, you know, and the drums never stop. And, but the capitals are pretty good at like giving people sort of some space to, to have just like a little bit of time to kind of let that sink in and they get like right yeah. back into whatever the next thing is. I just think you don't, if you're somewhere else in the stadium, maybe you don't like see that or appreciate that. But, um, you know, it's not like the whole stadium is just like not reacting to the game or not, which seems to be the, some of the impression I get when I read these comments on social media. Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of the folks, capos and people in the, in the Morga, rightly so get kind of annoyed at people throwing in opinions without wanting to come and do any of the work. And so I don't go to those practices. I don't put in all the work to make the rest of that beautiful game day experience happen. And so I don't get to make those decisions. And so if you do have an opinion and want to make those decisions, show up, be a part of it. It's democracy. All right. You want to talk a little bit about Vancouver now? Let's do it. Um, well, I feel like maybe we jinxed ourselves last time when we talked about <laughs> I know. We said, this is a team we should definitely beat. Yeah, we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and not a lot has changed except for they're playing very well now. Uh, so we're uh, on the road. I believe we'll have a small traveling crew of Austin FC fans who have to like, they have to fly to Seattle and then drive up to, oh, really? to avoid I not having I didn't to, realize that. Yeah, because I guess that keeps you from having to quarantine from, like, from flying mm. into the airport or whatever. Um, but since we've last played, I think when we last played, they were in, they were in 12th. Um, they are all the way up to eighth, uh, in competition for playoff spot on Saturday. They beat RSL who had been on a hot streak, um, four to one. So they are, you know, pretty hot. And then we talked a lot about Ryan. Was it Ryan Gauld? The, uh, yeah. Scottish, Scottish messy, the, the Scottish messy. So he ate us up and he continues to be hot. I think he scored 
he scored and got an assist um, versus RSL. So I guess my question is like, do we expect something different? Is it, are they fundamentally different than they were like three weeks ago? Or is this just how the MLS playoff race works and people get hot for a few games in a row and then fall apart? Or like, what, what, what do we expect out of this game this week? I think that's definitely how the MLS playoff race works is like teams take turns being good and being bad. And I think especially in the MLS West this season, there's like most of the teams have both been very good and very bad at some point. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I I'm, I'm going to stop expecting anything just because who knows we're going to smash Portland one week and then lose to Vancouver the next week. So yeah, honestly, as far as what to expect, I don't know, but I'm hoping what happened last time will at least um, be some motivation for Austin to be a bit more focused and a bit more intentional with the way that they're, they're playing this Vancouver team because they weren't doing great before we played them, but they damn sure have since then. And so we, we need to take this team seriously or they'll, they'll beat us bad. Like they did RSL the other night. Yeah. So do you think there's anything we can learn out of the way that we, we played in the last, the last match, man, the last one was one where, I mean, we took that early lead and then we will, when we fell behind, like, you know, it just seemed like, there was no chance of us picking up that second goal uh, yeah. to make a, to make a draw out of it. I think focus is kind of the key for Austin FC right now. Like, especially on the defensive half, it's effort and focus, which is things that have not always come together at the same time over the last several games for Austin. And so I think if they can come out and play a focused game that they can, they can hang in this game. And if, Drewsi keeps kind of working his magic like he has done in the attacking half. We'll score some goals because that's not been a problem over the last few games. It's being able to stop the goals from being scored. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's really going to be the key is if the kind of the defending, I don't want to say the back line because it's not all on them. It's midfielders as well. But if we can put together a cohesive defensive effort as a team that we can we can stop a team like Vancouver. And you think we'll see more of Pochettino, because we'll Pochettino like up front more in this one. I mean, to borrow to borrow from Chris Bill, this Chris Bills thinks we'll see Pochettino back at the eight. I I think we'll see him, but he looked good on the wing. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I I I think I agree with Chris in that we'll probably see Ring back at the six and uh, Pochettino at the eight. But I also would not be surprised if we saw. Danny at the six ring at the eight and Pochettino on the wing because he, he looked, he looked pretty good. And if, um, and I think another question is when does, when does GT start? How long do we think it's going to take him to get match fit? I don't see him starting this week. I, I would like to see more time ahead of him, out of him this week, but you know, I'm have some fear that a little bit of his, uh, tank like build is maybe maybe if not being like in completely in mat shape after being off <laughs> yeah. off for a few months and we're not playing that many games right now too you know where i can see like oh diego needs a break or so and so needs a you know i don't know who you take out who you need to take out to give a breather since we played dallas and we basically for the first time in a while got a full week before we match up against vancouver um so i don't know i mean i, I think we'll see maybe a little more of him but i don't think we see him start do you uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I would be a little surprised to see him start yet, but not super surprised. I, I, 
I could see it happening, but I, I think you're right. I think maybe another week or so to get to get him a little more fit uh, and into shape before we're expecting him to go 60, 70 minutes. Yeah, because if you look at that, Vancouver's on the 4th, and then we've got Houston on the 11th, LAFC on the 15th, San Jose on the 18th. Like, that's, again, three games in eight days, and that's where you might see him, like, start the first part of that stretch because we're going to have to have some more squad rotation there. And a player like that is probably more dangerous. If he's not going to be able to go the whole game, he's probably more dangerous at the end of the game than he is for the first 45 or whatever. Yep, it's very true. All right, Jeremiah, anything else before we wrap it up? No, I think let's go ahead and close it out. Wait, all right. don't say that because then Chris Wellhausen will stop listening. Yes, we have lots of other dynamic <laughs> content that Chris needs to listen to. All right, we would like to rate... Uh, we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and then if you want to continue the conversation, send us questions, um, tell us that you hate us, whatever it is, come find us on Twitter. I'm at LVHero87. Jeremiah's at jbentley underscore ATX. And then we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram at MoontowerSoccer. And yeah, always, always love hearing from listeners, talking to folks about Austin FC and whatever other random stuff like breakfast tacos you want to talk to us about. Uh, as always, visit the Striker Texas website. Uh, we've already mentioned a few other articles. Is there any others that you wanted to pitch, Jeremiah? Yeah, I just want to remind everybody that that, that article from uh, Chris Bills about the three takeaways from the night Austin FC lost to Ricardo Pepe, which I think was a great headline <laughs> um, and great content, too. It's a really good piece. Um, and then I will tease something. Phil West has got an upcoming piece about the the Fighting Leslies and sort of the story behind them Ooh. and the launch of uh of their website and stuff there which is not quite ready so maybe i'm stepping on somebody's toes to say that but it'll be a good article it's very it's like the fillest of phil content right like it's, <laughs> if there was ever article that that phil was just meant to write um it was that and then beyond that also want to put out a promo for we we mentioned the houston dynamo on september 11th so there are tickets available i think there's about 200 austin fans going now um it's a saturday be a great time to go down, observe the city, buy your tickets, check out the game. Uh, Austin FC is chartering buses if you want to do there and back. You can stay overnight, and we will put a link to buy tickets in the show notes for that. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in one week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we're going to review that match against Vancouver Whitecaps, and then we'll preview both the Houston matches, uh, both Houston and LAFC matches, and then any other news that comes up between now and then. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around.